Alrighty, guys, let's talk bikini. Today, you have myself, Jess Johnson. Myself, Stephanie Carms. And myself, Claire Bonacorso. And we have a special guest on today, Tony Doherty. Welcome, Tony, to the show. Nice to be on. How are you all? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Just, you know, just jumping out of my skin down here in lockdown Melbourne. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't believe you guys are still in lockdown. How has that I been know. for you? Well, you know, like you just got to make the most of it. Some days it's tougher than others, but uh, I think if you let it get you down, it can, and it's a matter of choice. So I think if you just wake up every day and think, you know, focus on what you can do, not what you can't do, and just go for it, it makes the time go a lot faster and makes everything more productive. And, um, uh, you know, you feel like you've got a purpose each day. So I've kind of, well, this is our sixth lockdown now. So each one I've kind of had a different project and um, it's really, really helped, you know, and also just being able to, I guess, use my positivity um, you know, through my social platforms and stuff to help other people to cope and maybe give them some mechanisms to get through it and uh, just to shine a bit of light. So all those things kind of um, make you feel a bit kind of useful and each day counts and you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, we appreciate that so much, Tony. Honestly, you're such a positive beacon of light in this um, hard time, especially for people down in Melbourne. Um, so for our listeners that don't know who you are, do you mind going into a bit of background on yourself and um, how you got into the industry? Shit, that goes back a long way. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, shit, where do I start? Well, I've been promoting bodybuilding shows since the late 80s. You know, um, I was competing... Uh, as a kid in country Victoria, a little town called Bendigo. You know, all I ever wanted to do was be a bodybuilder, promoter, gym owner. And uh, an opportunity came up to be the Victorian promoter for the IFB at the time. And I was like 24 and thought, well, you know, I'll just put my hand up and see what happens. And I'd start doing some MC work and some different stuff. And I got that opportunity, um, which sort of started the ball rolling. And then... Um, 1994, I moved from uh, the country town to here in Melbourne, in Brunswick, and opened the first Doherty's gym in 1994. And then in 1998, we uh, turned it into Australia's first 24-hour gym. And up until the whole COVID thing, um, we hadn't shut the doors here for 21 years. Wow. It was just nonstop. And that, that was staffed all the time, every hour of every day, like forever. During that time, you know, I kept on promoting and, and I had the opportunity to to work a lot overseas, you know, travelling with Australian athletes and stuff. And I got to MC some really big shows in the States, you know, um, including in New York City on Broadway and up in New York State and Los Angeles and places like that. And developed some great ties with the IFB professionally, particularly with Jim Mannion, um, <coughs> who's been a great friend and mentor. And, uh, you know... I always thought Australia needed a pro show. So in 2001, I started the first Australian um, pro show uh, against all odds. And everyone said, you know, why would anyone go out to Australia and travel so far? And it wasn't the best prize money or the most prestigious show, but it was an Olympia qualifier. And back then, the top three would qualify for the Olympia. So I'll just try it and see how it goes. And of course, all the naysayers said, well, you'll never get through the first year, let alone do a second one and a third one and so on. So um, that was 2001, we did the first one. And, uh, you know, one of the big supporters I had was uh, a guy who's still my best mate in the sport, Chris Cormier. 
and he come out and did the show and he kind of talked all the other guys to do it, Dennis, James, Dexter, Jackson, come on, come out, this guy's my buddy, we'll, we'll just try and make it work. You know, I didn't have like the money and the sponsorship and stuff that the other promoters around the world had, but I had this real passion for it. And I thought if I could treat the athletes better at my show than they get treated anywhere, maybe they'll keep coming back. And by that time I'd been to a couple of um, Arnold Classics in Columbus, uh, particularly with a guy who was my training partner best mate who passed away quite a few years ago, uh, a guy called Sonny Schmidt. And I travelled with him. And I remember the first time we got to the Arnold in Columbus and there was like, you know, a basket of fruit on the table and some gift pack from the sponsors, um, which you didn't get at the other shows. And, and that sort of made me think, well, the most important thing for athletes when they travel is food. So, mm-hmm. so what we did with that first Australian pro, we had this big like barbecue set up out the front. We had all real chicken breasts for them and sweet potatoes and rice because so many times I've been to shows with Aussie athletes and you travel for like 28 hours and get to a hotel and they get room service. It's like, you know, uh, uh, mac and cheese, pizzas, burgers. And someone may have dieted for three or six months at that level mm. and they haven't even got food waiting for you. And you don't get picked up at the airport. So I just always took notes of what I thought I could do with nothing but to do better. So I thought, well, we can pick everyone up at the airport. We can have food waiting for them. And then instead of getting hotel rooms, I always got them service departments. So they'd have you know, cooking facilities because as an athlete, I knew that's it, that's all you want. Just where do I get my food? Right? <laughs> Especially when you've travelled around the world to support someone. So then we would actually um, have all the barbecue stuff ready for them and um, have all the sweet potatoes and rice and all that sort of stuff. But then when they get back to their rooms, I'd have their refrigerators full with some chicken breasts and you know, cans of tuna, just above and beyond. So that's kind of how it all started. And then everyone, uh, I guess, thought that, oh, who's this guy? How can he make the pro show work you know, in Australia? It's so far from everywhere. Then I did the second one, the third one. And long story short, the Australian pro, um, which turned into the Arnold, but it became the third longest running show in the world behind the Olympia and the Arnold in Columbus. Uh, so that was kind of um, put me in a great position with the Pro League, you know, to be sort of one of the bigger promoters, if you like. And then, you know, we started doing an expo at the Pro Show called FitEx, um, I think in 2011, something like that. And uh, I always built that so that when I knew that Arnold was going to go global with his fitness expo, which I've been to by now so many times in Columbus, we've been to 10 Arnold Classics, and I always said, you know, I'm going to bring that to Australia one day. So when Arnold said he was going to go global, and first he did Spain, and he did Brazil, and he said the next country we're going to do is Australia. So in the background, I'd built an expo, which I knew would really suit his brand. So that when he looked at Australia, I was going to be the only choice. Mm. I thought, I'm just going to build this thing that when he goes, well, who are we going to get in Australia? That Everybody says Tony. So... What happened? Everybody said Tony, all the athletes, and then Jim Mannion, and then the Lorimers, and everyone in between pointed my way. So then that's when things really exploded. And then I guess the split happened between the Amateur League and the Pro League. And, you know, I wanted the chance to be the guy in Australia because I didn't like the way things were getting done, uh, the way athletes were getting treated. I just thought, you know, nothing against anyone else, but give me a chance to do my thing. Mm. So, as you all know, I guess three years ago we we started the Pro League as its own entity in Australia. And, shit, what a ride. We haven't stopped growing. Everything's been (laughs) amazing. You know, we've got more Australian pros than ever before, more opportunities. And uh, I think it's been 
well, I don't know. You guys have been part of it, but I think it's been fantastic. So that's a little bit. That's sort of how I got here. Thanks for sharing, Tony. Yeah, we appreciate that yeah. so much. It's actually been ever since you took over, Tony, when the IPB split. Because um, I was kind of like when I was getting really involved in travelling overseas, and I remember being over at the Olympia when um, the actual same weekend that you know the whole split happened um, at Olympia, and. I just want to say, ever since you took over with the Pro League in Australia, that has really opened up so many opportunities for all of us. I um, I know that because um, when the IFBB split, I was over in the US um, just being a spectator, just a fan of the sport, and I never thought I would have the opportunity to to travel as an amateur athlete overseas. So when, um, when you took over and that opened up a massive opportunity, um, you took all of us over to the Arnold's USA and then – you know, me as an amateur athlete really took off from there as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very grateful from the bottom of my heart and from the other athletes as well that um, you gave us the opportunity to, you know, be the best athletes that we can um, and actually go spread our, spread our wings being athletes all over the world. Yeah. Um, well, it's given me a lot of pleasure to, you know, to see Australians not getting held back. And I think one of the things was that um, in the old days, you know, people would get into like pro condition. And everyone would say, um, you know, the old way of doing things, you look too much like a pro, so scale it back down and, you know, look mm-hmm. like an amateur again. Then you can turn pro and go overseas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what I've tried to do, like, with the judging and the way we do things, the whole thing is to say from the start is if you're not sure what the criteria is, just look at the Olympia and look at who wins a bikini or who wins a figure or who wins a bodybuilding. And then you can just say, well, just try and look like that person because we will try and judge the person that's going to, be the best professionals that we can have represent Australia. And I think we've been really consistent with that um, mm. from the start. Yeah, definitely. In regards to Olympia, um, we know that Melissa didn't uh, – she obviously qualified for Olympia, but she wasn't able to get over due to travel restrictions and everything. Um, do you know, like, how she's holding up? Yeah, look, I think it's been pretty tough on Melissa. Um, she has a strong external facade. and She's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But obviously she did all of our, our prep. Her prep with us, um, you know, uh, coming in for check-ins with Scotty and being you know, training for 16 weeks. And I guess what was sort of heartbreaking about it when it happened was that um, three weeks out, she looked like a real contender. You know, mm. She's got that real cut, cartoon kind of shape. I've been to enough Olympias and judged and ran enough pro shows to know when people have got it, you know. And mm. I thought she could, like, sneak into, the, like, a top 10, top 12, top 10 kind of position in her first Olympia, which I haven't seen any other Australian, um, you know, outside of Josh in in men's open bodybuilding do ever. And um, I I was really, really impressed with the way she was looking. And we're trying to book flights. It was a really, really bad system. So basically you couldn't book flights until you had a travel permit to leave Australia. And the people at the Olympia and the Pro League office in Pittsburgh and the Olympia office um, Dan Solomon, his team, they sent all the supporting letters that we needed. They couldn't have been more helpful, but um, it took a bit of time. And by the time she got her permit, right, now we're in a position to book a flight. So we tried to book a flight. Getting over there was no problem whatsoever. Um, this weekend just gone was, what, the 10th of October or something. The first flight I could get her back was the 29th of November. Mm. And, you know, we had people saying, oh, we'll chip in, we'll help and everything else. But here's you know, a young girl, a bikini girl, doing her first international competition who may have been stuck in the US for seven weeks Yeah. You know, on her own with nowhere to stay or no plan or anything else. 
And then the travel agent, and we're dealing with the top guys at, at Flight Center, um, where we've done all my Arnold travel and all my own travel and everything for years. So we, you know, we've spent a lot of money with them. So we have the top people helping us. And they're like, you know, there's nothing coming back. And if that flight gets cancelled, there's been people waitlisted since all year to get home for Christmas. So it might be January or even February by the time we, we can guarantee her a flight home. Mm. So this was a problem. Then a one-way flight to come back, this is only like 20 people maximum on the whole plane. There's 16,000 one way. Wow. And then <laughs> two, two weeks hotel quarantine in Sydney when she gets back, then back to Melbourne and so on and so on. So all of a yeah. sudden this one weekend trip is going to be yeah, a $30,000 uh, trip. And it wasn't just about the money. It was also about her safety and her mental health and everything else mm. being just kind of lost in America. You know, if she had done a few shows, then she probably would have had the Bikini Sisters. Yeah. You know, some of the girls would have said, hey, come stay with us or we'll, yep. we'll do this. But um, being her first show, you can't just um, expect that. And having been around this sport as long as I have, it takes a while to build those kind of relationships. And people say, oh, yeah, come stay with me. And then mm. you find out that you know, haven't even got a house yes. <laughs> or, or whatever. So. Um, look, I really felt for her, but she'll get another shot. And I still think that, um, you know, we could not have had a better representative this year. I think when she won uh, that show in Brisbane, was it March? Yeah, March, um, Yes, when you turned pro, yeah. Um, I, I thought she was a, a great and a clear winner and um, definitely the person that would have done best on that Olympia stage. And, yeah. yeah I, I was really sad for her because... Um, she put everything into it. You know, she's one of those few people that actually loves prep. Yeah, so she's that's her, ha- her happy. It's her happy place. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't need to cheat on her diet or well, when can I have a cheat meal or a day off? If anything, Scott's always saying to her, just well, slow down a little bit. You know, <laughs> he said maybe the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you know, look, it was tough. Tough, not on us, but on her, and I think on her fans and friends and everything else. And mm. So I think she's just going to. Um, if you don't see her on social media for the next week or so, I just think she's going to just step back for a minute and just, you know, have a little reset because you, you're all athletes. You know what it's like to put yep. three or four months of your life just completely into something and then it doesn't work out. Yeah. It's like like our Arnold team last year. You know, I had um, seven people in my team worked for 12 months and six days out the Arnold got cancelled by the government um, in March 2020. It was the same thing. It was just such a letdown because we put our hearts and souls, you know, for, for 12 months, believing, like, we had never heard about COVID at that stage. And, you know, I went over to um, Columbus two weeks earlier to MC the show, which is still one of my, you know, greatest treasures, that, you know, to, to be able to do that was my dream. And, um, you know, I come down from the high of doing that, got home, and I'm like, whoa, this is starting to look shaky. And if it had been a week earlier, we would have pulled it off. But, of course, the way it worked out, mm. I still remember I was at the um, qualifier in Sydney and the uh, CEO of the Melbourne Convention Centre called and I, I was on stage with Mark Gretsch, my business partner there. I said, take the microphone, I have to take this call. It was like four in the afternoon on a Sunday and he said, hey, midnight tonight they're going to announce that the Convention Centre is closed and all events are forced to be cancelled. What like, shit. Because we start setting up on the Wednesday. This is Sunday night. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know. So I can kind of relate. Yeah. (laughs) Putting all of your everything into something and then it just gets pulled out from under you. And then 
you know, look, it's been tough ever since. Like that weekend, we managed to do the pro qualifier in a warehouse. It was almost like an underground thing. Yeah, and they just did that magic. for the athletes, you know. Mm. And we'd, we'd lost so much money cancelling the Arnold, like hundreds mm. of thousands of dollars. I thought, you know, what's another 20 grand or something to put on this, um, this show in a warehouse? And, and our partners out, it was at, at this uh, place that we did it. Uh, the guys that supply all of our big screens and everything for the expo. So they built this amazing stage with like 200 monitors behind it. Made it look really, really good. Didn't even look like a inside of a shed, but effectively it was. We, we cancelled all of season B. That mm. all right, well, we'll be back for season A and we'll do the Arnold again. Then once again, we got season A done, but obviously no Arnold because it all happened again. And then we thought, well, we'll do season B this year yeah. <laughs> and we'll do our new... And then so we sort of switched direction a little bit from um, doing the Arnold into doing uh, an Australian event called FitFest because Arnold couldn't and wouldn't travel. Mm. Um, I couldn't bring any pros from America or anything into the Australian pro show. So I said, well, we'll just do bikini and physique, as you all know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to pull that off. And at that stage, no one was in lockdown. And once again, me and my team, I kept all of my staff on from last March right through to this March right through till November thinking, well, you know, if we can just sort of um, reward all of the exhibitors left and sponsors that left their money in when the first Arnold got cancelled, honour, you know, what we've promised them we'd do, do the right thing by the athletes and have someone else qualify for the Olympia and someone qualify for the first time men's physique Olympia and have a great pro qualifier, we're set. And then, you know, for the amateur shows around the country, the entries were coming in like crazy. You could just feel the momentum. I thought, this is going to be a record-breaking. You would have 500 people at the Nationals. Mm. And then, you know, I had to make a call once again. <sighs> so this time, rather than leave it till the last minute, I thought, I really can see clearly how this is going to mm. play out. So the right thing to do would be to just say to the athletes, you know, we've just got to call it because it's not going to happen. No matter how much we want, we can't just have it in one state and not another state. Yeah. That state, New South Wales, had really gone into a hard lockdown and we were, I think we we're just starting to look the same way. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. I just knew it was not going to happen. So um, a lot of people said, oh, it must have been a hard decision. It was a really easy decision. But what's hard for me is letting people down, letting my athletes down. You know, I uh, had this great sort of weight on my shoulders that I'd promised everyone yeah, fuck, if anyone can make it work, I can. Just stay tight. Everyone stay on their diet. And I started to feel this sense of people had started to, like, get loose on their diet, sort of they'd stop believing, and, and they were right. And I thought, well, you know, it's just time to call it. So mm. that was another hard one, and we did that. But, you know, you've just got to find the upside of everything. So what we did, we said, well, rather than do the Arnold-FitFest in March, so it's going to be FitFest for the first time again. Um, we're going to do it in April, the third weekend of April, which I think is like the 22nd, 23rd of April, which uh, it just gives us an extra month. So I think yeah. if we tried to do it in, in March and things haven't come good, everybody's going to be uncertain again. And when I do my um, daily questions on Instagram, not daily, but every few days I do these questions on Instagram, the most Asked one yesterday, and I can't answer every one, so I'll try and do them all at once, was, you know, do you have the dates for Season A? Mm -hmm. Well, anyone watching, FitFest is definitely the third weekend in April. So mm -hmm. all the states will be on in the two and three weeks before that. Yeah. So, but I, but I want to I know what day 
is Sydney or what day is Brisbane or what day is <laughs> right now because I've got to make my plans. I'm like, dude, every venue in Australia has been shut. Like they don't fucking have anyone working and they don't know what their <clears throat> their quantities they're going to allow in, you mm. know, what density limits they've got. So it's not like I think sometimes people think, oh, I wish you'd just tell us the date she's holding back. Fuck, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to put the post up, click, there's your dates. But, you know, we're working really hard behind the scenes. You know, my assistant, Simone, is, is nonstop at these venues just trying to get dates locked in. And you've got to remember we've got to have five states that match. So mm-hmm. we might be able to do Sydney and, and Melbourne one weekend, you know, for example, Adelaide and, and Brisbane one weekend, mm-hmm. Perth another weekend, or however it works out. So it's kind of a, a bit of a juggling act anyway. And then I've got people, I'd like people almost abusively saying, and what about season B? You haven't put those dates up either. I'm like, dude. We've just cancelled like 15 events in a row. You know, we've taken a bath and we're not doing it to to fuck anyone around or to piss off the athletes. Quite the opposite. We're trying to be as transparent as we can by saying, you know, and I I don't see or focus on what other federations do, but I just know as the head of our federation, the athletes are always going to come first. You know, we've got to make sure that they can compete safely in an environment um, that's, you know, well-planned and not rushed. And if we have to take another week or two weeks to come up with that exact date, whether it's the first or second week of April, people can kind of do their maths. They've got plenty of time to, yeah. to prepare. You know, if they start their diet after Christmas, they've got plenty of time to prepare. Exactly. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just saying the dates will be announced. I'm not holding out on anyone, all right? Yeah. So there you have it, guys. Start dieting after mm-hmm. Christmas. <laughs> well, it's actually, I worked it out from the um, the 1st of January to the um, the date of the Fit Fest. It's exactly 16 weeks. So literally, oh, it's perfect. you can still See, right. enjoy Christmas. If you, can't get in shape in fit, if you can't get in shape in 16 weeks, you're a fat fuck. I think um, a lot of feedback from my own clients um, or posing clients and corporate clients is that a lot of people don't do season A because um, they feel like it's a bit too close to Christmas and New Year's that they want to enjoy. So I think that you've pushed, like the fact that you've pushed it out to the end of April, um, a lot more people are actually going to want to compete in season A because mm-hmm. they still can, can yeah. enjoy that time with their family and then also prep when it's um, the fresh New Year. So look, I, look, I agree. And also from our point of view of, you know, with the expo all these years trying to sell you know, all the booths and everything at the expo, um, because we've always had to follow Arnold in Columbus. If you just see the one or two weeks later than that, um, which is something we've done for the last 20 years, uh, all of a sudden, uh, with it not being an Arnold, I didn't have to play that game. So that enabled us to say, well, what would you actually do in a perfect world? As well, it'd be nice to have an extra month, you know, to be able to sell all the sponsorships and booths because what happened... In December, no one can make a decision, right? Yeah. Then they all go and get all messed, messed up over Christmas, New Year. Yeah. So they don't really wake up until about the middle of January. And then by the time they kind of start making decisions, it's February and the expo's in March. I'm like, oh, this is hard work. Yeah. So at least now I think it gives us as organisers a chance to get you know bigger and better exhibitors involved and gives them more time to build these amazing booths mm-hmm. and to bring their influences in. And it might be next year that we can't have people from overseas initially. If that's the case, then we'll get all the Australian influences in. Like I'd love to do the Arnold again. It's been the most amazing seven years of my life travelling full-time kind of six times a year with Arnold and the whole Arnold sports team. You know, doing press conferences, emceeing events all over the world in Africa and Brazil and Europe. It's, it, honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. But no one could have 
seen this shit coming. No. Right, where where we've cancelled all of the Arnold's, apart from you know they did Columbus two weeks before the Olympia, because Arnold didn't want to miss a year, like consecutive year, because it's thirty three years or something since they started, and then they were able to do Arnold UK for the first time uh, the weekend before the Olympia, but Arnold couldn't travel even to that one with his his name on it because he had an injury and it wasn't safe to fly and all this kind of stuff. So knowing that that could happen here again, and yeah. not knowing you know. What his mindset's going to be. Um, so I just want to clearly say we, we would love to do it that way. But if it doesn't work out, always kind of have it. You've got to have a plan B, right? So the plan with Fitfest was <clears throat> to bring a celebrity in each year, like a huge one. Mm. So if, if people have had, for example, the fans have had the, the the mega fans have had a photo with Arnold for five years. Well, now they might be able to have one with might be Mark Wahlberg or Chris Hemsworth or or The Rock or someone. So we were talking to all this kind of talent, trying to see who's making movies in Australia at the time mm. so we can have some really special guests at FitFest going forward. And then, you know, we're going to do FitFest originally. We're going to do the Arnold in March in Melbourne this year, 21. And then in October, November, we're going to do FitFest actually in Sydney. Then when Sydney went into that giant lockdown, we moved it to Melbourne. So it may be that we can do FitFest in April here in Melbourne yeah. and then do FitFest 2 in Sydney in, say, October into November. So we've still got our nationals on a big expo stage. And, look, it's so exciting for the athletes that do compete. Um, you guys know that when you compete at an Arnold or a FitFest or something, there's nothing like it. Like, oh, it's amazing, honestly. It's like, right, it's like an Olympia crowd. You've got like 10,000 people watching you all the time and the place goes through the roof and the atmosphere and the excitement, the lighting, and I just to be it. a part of something <laughs> something great. I miss it too, man. Oh, it's just yeah. like, so much. <laughs> seven years, this has been my whole world, you know, just being a part of something great and promoting sport and fitness all over the world. And um, it's been a dream. But saying that, this has given us an amazing chance to have a little reset and then mm -hmm. to put the whole business under the microscope. And so, we'll, you know, do people come and watch all these other sports that we have because it's an Arnold Sport Fest? So when I come up with the FitFest con uh, concept, I thought I want to have all the areas packed, all the areas really pumping. So we kind of let go of some of the sports that sort of come along with the Arnold brand, you know, table tennis or chess or fencing or mm. something like that that don't really bring people in they're wonderful sports but they don't sell a single ticket yeah and another none of the exhibitors want to be anywhere near them so we said well let's keep powerlifting people love yeah that they love pro it. Raw. and let's keep the strong man and strong women in fact um 2020 the way the entries have gone 50 percent of our amateur comp uh, competitors in the strongman event were women you know, wow. and a lot of them come across from CrossFit and, and they're super strong with the yokes and the farmer's walk and all this sort of stuff. And that was just going through the roof. And so I thought, well, the pro raw powerlifting and, and look, Australia's strongest, we called it. And then the, the pro league bodybuilding on the main stage. And we kept the calisthenics, you know, where the, the bars stars, where the guys mm -hmm. do all the, um, you know, the incredible stuff on the monkey bars. And then the other one that was really popular was the medieval fighting, where you know, we had that. 2019 Arnold, where these um, guys attack each other with axes, and <laughs> that was also really popular. So, and, and arm wrestling is always popular. And the other one was pole fitness, where we had the, you know, the international pole fitness championships. So, the plan was to keep all those exciting sports, then make space to have more exhibitors because there's no dead spaces anymore. Have a giant food court for people to be able to get all their, 
you know, not just healthy food, but junk food. Because let's face it, there's 500 of you guys competing. All you're thinking about is donuts and yeah, burgers. We love our snacks. <laughs> 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 treats. So all the guys walking around with their Tupperware, they want chicken and rice. But all the athletes, they want <laughs> just the, the, the filthiest yeah. food they can find. <laughs> so we had, I, I, I believe, a, an amazing concept with FitFest. And I always try and find the, like an opportunity within adversity, right? Mm. So you stop and say, well, what can we learn from this? I thought, well, I've never had a chance. We've been going at breakneck speed for seven years. I haven't even had a chance to stand back and go, well, if we had a chance, what would we do differently? Mm. So this break enabled us to do that. And I think the FitFest concept that I'd come up with was going to be incredible because it was just going to be all excitement. From No matter when you walked in the door, whether you looked left or right, we had like literally stadiums built inside the convention centre. So bodybuilding stage was bigger. The strongman stage was big with grandstands up both sides. The pro rock powerlifting was huge with like a thousand seats. And and I thought this is just going to be the biggest problem people will have us. Oh shit, the pro qualifiers on, but I want to see that guy you know lift a truck or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and have just nonstop excitement for the, for the two days it was on. So I've still got this real passion to do it. And I'm not going to stop. Yeah. So we've just got to keep in mind. So this is just a pause. So always focus on what you can do, not what you can't do, and then come out swinging. Yeah, absolutely. That's so exciting. And I hope, like, everything uh, clears up next year so we can do that. Yeah. Who would have known? Two years now almost. Just feel yeah, like I, I, You couldn't have thought this shit up. You really couldn't. No, you know? and, and And here in Melbourne, going back to your original question, uh, how we're holding up, it's the longest lockdown in the world. So... This week, um, I, I sat down and, and added up. Yeah. You see the post, right? Yeah. Because they were saying on the radio how Victoria had been closed the longest in the world at 251 days or something. I'm like, hang on, we we got like an extra week at the start, an extra two weeks at the end of every lockdown. So I sat down and did the maths, and the day I did it was exactly 350. Wow. So it was two days ago. So in 12 days' time, it'll be 365 days. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So we've been closed. A year, well, 12 out of 19 months closed, no income, no business. Oh, you know, there's oh my like God. probably 50 gyms that I know of um, that are not going to open again where people have put yeah. their whole – what about people who maybe opened their gym last March? You know, oh, they, yeah. they cashed in their, their, their redundancy pay or, or mortgaged their home to live their dream. Oh, yeah. I'm always telling people, you know, dream big and go after it and all this sort of thing. So imagine I've talked to people who've lost restaurants and cafes and nightclubs and gyms and PT studios, and I really feel for them mm. because this has been unprecedented and it's been really, really tough. You know, when I worked out that we'd been closed 350 days, it was almost overwhelming. I was like, yeah, wow. no, it can't be right. So I added it up and then I sent it to one of my managers. I sent it to our people at team at Vic Active and I triple-checked the numbers because I didn't want to fuck it up and just go, oh, oh no, my <laughs> initial <laughs> stop. In fact, look, I've still got the, my little sketch yeah, pad here, wow. 350. But when you stop and think about it, there's nowhere in the world where gyms have been closed for 12 no. whole months. And this has impacted so much on people's, you know, I just talked about the, obviously the people that have lost their businesses and the financial impact, you know, that's that's only, that's the smallest part of it. Mm. But what it's done to the members, the impact it's had on the mental health of men and women that go mm. to the gym, the string that holds their life together, this yeah. little thread. So I guess that gave me a great opportunity to start fighting for our industry and then um, a lot of it got picked up. So you guys would have seen all the videos I did last year in lockdown, you know, going after the government and saying we should be in essential service. 
Yeah. Why don't we open the same day as retail and hospitality and so on? Yeah. And, and it, it kind of worked. And then I started getting um, a lot of mainstream media and um, just sort of out of nowhere became the voice of the fitness industry in Australia with, you know, really mainstream media, you know, with yeah. the Credlin Show and Talkback Radio and 7, 9, 10, just constant interviews. And I thought, well, here's a chance to maybe maybe have an impact on the industry that I love so much that, that's given me everything I've got and not to be a meathead and not to carry on and threaten and, you know, because I saw people going down that path. I thought, how about I be a real spokesperson and be articulate and passionate and real and explain the damage that they're doing to people's mental health because mm-hmm. they can't ignore that. They can say, oh, to hell with your finances. Who cares if you go broke? I'm talking about, you know, suicide rates being up and, yeah. and people self-harming and people developing eating disorders or people that have had that come good and all of a sudden they're back in a really, mm-hmm. really bad place. So I thought I'm going to be the champion for these people. I've got an opportunity and a voice and I can fucking talk, so I'm going to put everything into this. And fortunately, you know, they started listening. Good on you, Tony. And the last two lockdowns, um, we've opened up the same day as hospitality and retail, which is what I constantly demanded yep. of the government through, you know, through the media and everything else. So here goes again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that's the thing is like this whole pandemic is meant to be, up, be about people's health. And if you look at the statistics, um, the people that are getting adverse reactions, if they do catch COVID, um, they are morbidly obese. And that's like the death rates are linked to that. So I just it really frustrates me that it's like okay you can like go to the nightclub like for instance um, New South Wales just opened up and like you can go to pubs and clubs and it opened up the same time that gyms opened but it's like hang on a second you're trying to talk about people's health and make people healthier so we can fight this virus how about we work on people's immune systems like you know sitting well, inside all day that. That. yeah look I agree and I think that like when we first um all got closed down with the gyms, particularly when we weren't allowed to reopen the first few lockdowns. And, you know, bottle shops, mm. you know, Dan Murphy's and Liquorland and this sort of stuff stayed open. They're still open. Mm. Sorry, guys, the connection just dropped. So we're just back with Tony. You can continue. Yeah, so what I was saying was, you know, uh, that I've kind of switched my message a little bit, not just to get away from mental health, but also to remind the government, well, it's great that people are getting vaccinated and doing what they can not to catch this virus because this thing's no joke. I actually know mm. a couple of guys that have had it and end up on ventilators. They weren't morbidly obese. They were just guys that wanted to wait before they had their vaccine. And then right before the ventilator goes down their throat, they're like, oh, could I get the vaccine now? And they're like, no, it's, it's not like that. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get into that whole debate. But um, what I've tried to sort of say with my media work and the stuff I'm doing next week is why don't we also remind people that the best thing for your immune system is exercise and healthy eating. And why aren't we pushing this? And why aren't we educating the kids and saying, well, listen, you know, you're right what you said before, that morbidly obese people are going to get a lot uh, worse than people that are healthy and fit mm-hmm. if they catch it at all. So I just think that message has been lost. That The government, fine, they're, they're pushing for this vaccine, but they should also be saying, hey, go get vaccinated as soon as you can. And in the meantime, try not to drink so much alcohol Try not to eat so much takeaway, you know, takeaway food. And you just look at the television advertising at the moment. It's all McDonald's and Hungry Jacks and Uber Eats and all this kind of stuff, just trying to get people to stay home like couch potatoes, you know, eat fried food and sweets and all this kind of thing and then drown their sorrows. And 
that that's fucking not not healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is this is sort of where I'm heading, my next direction with the message. Anyway, when you get me on podcast, I talk a lot. So, have you guys got any question any questions you got from the the, the listeners? We do have a few. Yes, yeah, definitely. Right, let's go. We had one question about pro cards uh, next year. Um, some right. yeah, people were asking because there weren't many pro cards given out this year. Will there be more like extra pro cards going out next year? No, look, that's like saying, you know, if an event gets cancelled, like in the Olympics, if that had been put off, we're going to have two gold medals. Yeah. You know, we're going to have two world championships. No, like <laughs> the best person must win. And and what would happen if I just said, okay, let's have two bikini cards and two physique cards and two men's bodybuilding, then the person that got the second one may not be of pro standard. Mm, yeah. Like the best person still has to win. And, and if, if need be, we will put on more shows, but to have – more cards at, at, at one particular show. We've got to keep perspective. Australia's not that big. We don't yeah. have that much population or that many people competing to warrant that. And, and look, I could have given away more pro cards over the last years, even leading into this, but I don't want to water it down. I want the pro card to be really special. Like when each of you won your pro cards, you really, really earned it. Yeah. And you were the best on the day or the best of the competition. And just back to your experience, Jess, you know, when we did that show, the one show we pulled off last so March. <laughs> well, and I am too, to everyone that came out and believed in us and believed in me and supported it. But, you know, seeing you win your pro card that day, you beat the best girls in Australia. It was, I thought, the best standard um, amateur bikini contest we've had in this country. So that meant something, mm. you know, and that meant then you went into your pro show that day and where did you place? Our third. That, I mean, that, that, that just shows that we got it right. It's like, mm. wow, you, you just beat everyone in Australia and then you got third in a pro show against everyone else with a pro card, some which had done pro shows or many pro shows. So it's a credit to you, but I, I think it also reaffirms that we're on the right track with keeping that standard super high. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. Next we had, question. We had one more question. Um, will Michael Beano be joining us for next year? And if he isn't, do we know who the new head judge will be for IFB Pro? Okay, good question. Well, first of all, um, when we were going to do FitFest in November, that was going to be Michael's kind of last stint with us. Um, he's just moved on. He's got right into his triathlons and cycling. And yeah, Michael's been fantastic. I've, I've taken him all over the world with me and he's had some great uh, opportunities, you know, judging at the Olympia and at the Arnold and just going everywhere. Um, and he's been the most loyal and devoted person you could ask for as a head judge. You know, he just got to the point um, where he just didn't have that same passion for it. It was starting to be a bit of a drag, and he just said, I've just had enough. You know, he'd been doing it, but before he was with us, he was with some other federations. It was like 20 years of his life or more. Yeah. He'd been just you know, giving up his weekends to be, to be a judge in bodybuilding. So um, that sort of come, uh, that was a bit of a shock, well, a bit of a shock, uh, and I thought, well, we need to sort of pay tribute to him, and I want him mm-hmm. to come along to FitFest. We want to give him a bit of an award, and, of course, nothing's happened, so I'll just end up smoking a cigar with him <laughs> <laughs> next door and you know, having a laugh, but <coughs> we're still great mates, and he drops into my, my shop window here at least twice a week, but on his push bike now, not his, <laughs> his bodybuilding gear, and, mm-hmm. uh, and a big thanks on behalf of, I don't know if you'll watch this, but, on behalf of everyone in bodybuilding and all the divisions and all the states and all my promoter partners around Australia, thanks to Michael Buner, who's mm-hmm. just put his heart and soul into it. And 
we wouldn't be in the position we're in if it hadn't have been for his efforts. So I'm really, really grateful to him because when the split happened, you know, he just jumped on board and he goes, we're, we're going to make this work. And he travelled you know, every state to do the posing classes and to educate the judges, which had never happened before. Mm-hmm. Now, to answer the other part of the question, do we have a new head judge? No. And I'm not going to rush into it because mm-hmm. I think we don't necessarily need a head judge yeah. uh, at these shows. I think we need a head judge at each show and I think we need a head judge in each state. Yeah. But I don't think I should just rush into forcing someone into that position um, without the experience and, and just to let it evolve a little bit, particularly now that we've had sh- so many shows cancelled, right? Yeah. So um, we've got some, some new people coming into judging, which is fantastic. And also anyone out there, particularly if you've been a competitor and you sit there at shows and you think, shit, I get just about get it right every time, or you watch the Olympia weekend and all you're doing is watching the judging, well, come to me direct. Let me know because um, we've put out calls before and maybe they've got lost in translation or time goes by or whatever. But we are looking for more judges, um, particularly people who have been pros or just competed as amateurs for years that just have a love for the sport. Because mm. sometimes it's a thankless job. You know, it's, it's a lot of time away from your families and everything else. But the people that do it gen- generally do love what they do. And I try and give them a lot of in, uh, opportunities we can, you know, and that's that's how we really it was great to be able to reward Michael with having him not just as Australia's head judge, but travelling all over the world. You know, when Jim Mannion would say to me, "Can you go judge a show in Malaysia or Romania or Spain or whatever?" I'm like, "No, man, I'm busy with the gym or I've got events or whatever else." But I could send Michael. Mm. So, uh, and they loved him. No, he's great. He'll go anywhere, anytime, and he's a great judge. So. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to get involved, please just shoot me a DM on Instagram or however you want to get in touch, but that's the easiest way to find me. And, uh, you know, I want to start putting on some seminars myself when we're allowed to travel. I want to do some of my kind of mind and muscle training camps around Australia, coupled with posing classes and also with some judging judges training uh, when, when we're allowed to go interstate again. Mm-hmm. You know, and what we started doing that mid-year last year, this year, earlier this year, was with our posing classes that, that I went and did in here in South Australia and I think New South, was we do all the, the different classes for the different groups, but then we'd make like a little stage area and get everyone to go through as if it was competition day. Mm. This is sort of something new we've been doing because it's okay to teach everyone the poses, but then they don't know when to walk on and when not and how long to stand at the back and before they walk forward. And, you know, some people, particularly in bikini and physique, they, the light hits them at the back of the stage just stand there like this. I'm a tree. I've got got 200 competitors, 200 competitors to get through. Move, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But but if you practice that at the posing class, where I can say that, I say I'm going to count to three when you stand there. Three, two, one, walk. Mm -hmm. So we started doing that the last few times. It was so great. And then they had all the other athletes, right? All clapping and cheering, and yeah. and then I, and then I'd put them in groups and do V's, do comparisons. So then, when you're on stage, this is not new. So I think before, um, what we did was just practice, you know, the, the quarter turns and the poses. So once again, I got a chance to stand back and go, okay, how can we do this a little better? Mm-hmm. So that's something I want to bring around Australia to all of our posing classes and have like little mini comps just for you guys that are at the comps. So you really, you know, by the time you get to the show, you know exactly what you're in for. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah going to be so beneficial, and especially for the community side of things too. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to meet new people in the sport and yeah. you know grow relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always here's the first yeah. time as attending those events too. So like, and a lot of them don't really have many friends in the competing industry at all. So right, I and you guys so look at you three here have become great friends through bodybuilding. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. always, I mean, you've you've all been at enough of my shows. When I do the competitors meeting, I always say this: don't be bitchy backstage because. This is actually your people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you just take time to smile and say hi to someone or a first time or whatever, you'll make the greatest friendships you'll ever have that'll last a lifetime because you actually get each other. Because yeah. your normal friends start to drop off when you don't want to go out drinking and partying and, you know, you say, listen, I'm going to bring my container chicken. of food because I'm mm-hmm. chicken and broccoli or whatever because I'm four <laughs> weeks out from a show. Yeah. And I'm always say to people, don't be a Tupperware turd. But if you're really... <laughs> As in, don't take your fucking Tupperware to Christmas dinner with your family. That that's you're just a prick if you do that. But <laughs> and, but but the rest of the time, sometimes you really are three or four weeks out from a show, and it's critical not to mess up your diet. Mm-hmm. And then and then you go out, and your friends get on the piss and be like, "Come on, fucking one drink won't hurt you." I'm a, when I was a young guy competing, my mates would be like, "Come on, what's one drink?" I'm like, "You don't get it, man. This is no. a whole lifestyle. If I'm not no. completely, completely doing everything I can." somebody else is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So then you meet someone backstage at a show or an opposing class and you think, hey, yeah, I really click with that person. Hey, you swap numbers or follow each other on Insta. <coughs> and next thing you've got you three bikini girls have got a podcast and you've got a great friendship. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, um, this is probably one of the things I love about the sport. You know, some of my best friends are from bodybuilding and uh, it's never been any different. Yeah, and if you look at the top Olympians like um, – they're all friends, you know, they yeah. all respect each other. And I think that's the thing is like you can be competitors and you can be on the same stage, but you can respect each other as well. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, can, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we better let you go, Tony. You're a busy man. But thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the show. You're giving us a lot of insight. And, yeah, we're excited for next year. Fingers crossed all the borders open and we can um, make it all happen. Totally. To all the, the amateurs out there that want to be like you guys and want to be pros or, or just want to do it because they love it and it's their hobby, um, you know, stick with us. You know, every sport suffered through all of this. You know, whether you play golf or tennis or bodybuilding or drag racing or wh- wh- whatever the hell it is, mm. it's been tough on everyone. But we, we will be back, you yeah. know, and you've had more time now. You've got to know your body better. So everybody out there, stay strong, check in on each other, right, and just be kind because it's it's been a really, really tough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Yeah, that's Definitely. It. That's it. All right. Awesome. Thank Peace you. Peace, everyone. Bye, Thanks so Tony. much. Thank Tony. you all. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. 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 See you all. Ciao. Thank you for listening, guys. We really hope you enjoyed having Tony on here and hearing all about what he has to say about, you know, his past, how he got where he is, and all his, his advice for competitors moving forward as well. Um, if you have any other ideas or feedback for us, please let us know. We love hearing from you guys, and we just want to be getting out the best content that we can for you. So, yeah. Thank Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next week.